All right. This is an exciting night. Um, maybe maybe not to a common person, but uh, to us Minnesota sports fans, tonight is a. I, actually, I'm gonna scratch that. It's not that exciting. Um, <laughs> they actually, we're just actually witnessing some uh, some some good uh, team play from uh, the more Minnesota sports teams that are playing tonight. We saw. The Gophers put up a whopping 51 points in their first round uh, Big Ten matchup uh, against Northwestern. So that'll be super exciting to get uh, smoked by either Wisconsin or Ohio State tomorrow. Uh, but we're, we also have the Wild game on right now. Yeah, it's um, on national TV, NBC Sports Network. Yeah, they're playing the Golden Knights of Las Vegas. Yeah, many consider, I guess, the Stanley Cup favorite. Golden yeah, although I did hear that the Avs, the Colorado Avalanche, are also um, high on that. Uh, oh, really? On that list to win the Stanley Cup, they're they're up there as well. So, uh, while they got a lot of competition in their division, it looks like, but uh, they're up four one right now. We turned it on, uh, started the third period. It was one one, and I think we saw three goals in four minutes, maybe. Yeah. Like, so I don't know about that. Yeah. Like this, uh, what the heck, man? Yeah, the Minnesota Wild uh, are definitely a team to watch, man. They've. Uh, uh, they've got a couple of solid rookies, and we're just having fun watching them. We don't get to watch them very often here in Colorado, so it's kind of fun to see that. And uh, they look like they got a club here. Let's see how they do. I know they've, they've, uh, the Knights are awesome, but uh, at least tonight it looks like uh, the Wild have got the upper hand. Of course, we're all Minnesota sports fans, so there's seven minutes left, so anything can happen. Yes, yeah, seven, seven, seven minutes in almost any Minnesota sport translates to about an eternity, I would say. <laughs> it doesn't matter what quarter, period, inning you're in. Uh, it doesn't ever seem like the game is over, no matter what, when you're a Minnesota sports fan. So we were just talking about this. So, like, uh, of course, we've lamented. Last week we talked a little bit. We lamented about Minnesota sports fandom. And we were trying to talk about sort of, like, what would actually be the most exciting uh playoff run and championship among the Minnesota sports teams. And, um, of course, we talk about the Vikings and that they've never won it. Uh, they've come close many times and have never been able to get it over the hump. The Twins have already won World Series, so we know what that's like. So, But I, for my dollar, I think the Twin Cities would go completely bananas over a Stanley Cup championship for the Wild. And here's what I think. Here's why I think that. Like, I think the Vikings making a run and getting a Super Bowl championship – I think the whole time we would be all uh, like miserable. We'd be miserable because we were just waiting for the shoe to drop. Like we, it could be just like we're watching. We're up two, three touchdowns with seven and a half minutes left, and in the back of all of our minds, uh -oh. like oh, there's, they could still lose this. They can still lose this. Oh. I'm not gonna be relieved. I'm not gonna be happy yep. until the final gun. Is fired, Until right? Until the fat lady sings. <laughs> right? It ain't over till yeah, it's over. It's, yeah, no, it's, it's, we, you can almost draw up or predict when uh, it seems like some of these teams are going to screw up uh, in monumental moments. Um, and so I agree that I do think the Wild bringing a Stanley Cup back to the, you know, state of hockey. I'm using air quotes there because, like... It certainly hasn't seemed that way for a good good amount of time, but I do I do I do agree honestly. I think it would be a sigh of relief if the Vikings won a Super Bowl, but if the Wild won a Stanley Cup, it would be a celebration. It would be like a validation of our culture, mm -hmm. right? Like it'd yep. be like yes, this is where the cup has always belonged, 
It's, it's been elusive, but it's always meant to be in Minneapolis, right, or St. Paul. It's always been meant to be in the Twin Cities. It's just never found its way there. So it's like a prodigal son, even though this, it's not a son that left and mm -hmm. came back, but it's like it, it was always meant to be here, and the fact that it's never been here is just, like, been wrong. It's something wrong and askew in the universe. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the fact that it would end up there, I think people would be like, it would be something uh, of, of, of cultural pride because we all know Minnesotans love their hockey and it's uh, in our bones. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so, oh, anyway, yeah. so, you know, I'm, not get, I'm, I'm definitely not getting ahead of myself here mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the wild this season, but there's no question that we have, a, hopefully, a playoff run in this club. For sure. And that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because I think we also talk hockey playoffs. It's like pound for pound mm. is probably some of the best playoff it's sports watching it's, that there is. It's electrifying right? to yeah. say the least. You know, it's it's such high stakes. You know, and any and you can see an eight seed come out of nowhere and win the Stanley Cup. Like it doesn't yeah. matter where you, as long as you're in. It's like March Madness, kind of. I guess a little bit where it's like you just got to get in, and then it's like yeah, the, re the rest is on you. No, I get it. I get it. like it, yeah. All it takes is a team to get hot at the right time, and before you know it, get a hot goaltender. Uh, you start firing. Uh, at all cylinders, and yeah, who knows? Anything's possible. So, uh, so anyway, we're having fun watching the game tonight. It's a rarity to be able to see uh, wild hockey in Denver, so we're having some fun with that. Uh, ooh, would we just give up a goal? I think we might have just given up. Yeah, oh, okay. all right. So we might be speaking <laughs> this into existence. Uh, so to all you wild fans out there, we apologize if the night if the yeah, we might have just if, jinxed them. Yes, we got some wood here. We're, I'm gonna knock real quick. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we should be good to go, but also. Uh, I think the last time they played the Knights, they had a three-goal lead and gave it up. So yeah, see, there you go. Um, no, you just totally jinxed it. So, okay. So uh, right, we'll keep moving on, on here. Yeah, moving yeah. So on. We're gonna uh, we're gonna talk a little spring training. Yeah. But not the spring training that you're thinking of. I'm pretty sure, right? We're gonna talk about Bruce's spring training or the beginning of it. Yeah. So I uh, I play in over 50 league baseball. I took last year off because of COVID and. Probably mostly because I needed to, because my season the year before that was horrible. Just had to, you know, you know refine the skills, to get back in the gym. That's right. Exactly. Uh, get the get, bullpen get sessions. Get the analytics out. Yeah. Get the cameras, the high-speed cameras. You know. Work with my coaches. Go down to, uh, you know, down to Florida and work with, you know, what's You the, know, get your rotations per RPM yeah, up, you know. Rate, yeah, exact spin rate and stuff and all rate, that stuff. At, working on my heart, and, yeah, on my uh, exit velocity. There you go. And my launch angle. Launch I angle. Was, I've been really working on my launch angle. And uh, so, yeah, no, I, first time swinging a bat in a couple of years. Uh, it was fun. Uh, I definitely was a little bit of a rusty gate, but I think I eventually got a few cuts in. And so... We're looking forward to another big season for the Stars. That's my team. The Stars. It's the not. Stars. It's not with your team before. It was called the the Coots. The Coots. The Coots. Yeah, as in the old Coots. old Coots. Okay. Uh, which were a great bunch of guys. Uh, I loved playing with them, but we were a very poor over fifty baseball team. Let's just say that we didn't win many games. You guys were there to have fun. You guys had a good time out yeah. there, absolutely. Although I will say, uh, the last the team has since disbanded, <laughs> and um, it's it's not because we've lost anybody, um, like literally. It's, it's because we just decided, like guys decided they didn't want to play anymore. Mm -hmm. But we actually got to the championship game uh, two years ago. Uh, we made a run, a little underdog we took, action. We took out the number yeah. one seed yeah. in the semifinals. 
and we made a run, and but we lost. But anyway, it was fun. That was our, so. That was the that was the swan song for the coots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I'm with the stars. So this is my there third club. I played for another team called the. I don't even remember what their name. It was it was a horrific experience, because I was this puny. Uh, little snot playing like, with a bunch of guys that were all like division one players and like stud college players. I had no business being on the team and it showed. So I, <laughs> I I'm glad I'm no longer on that club. Cause I, I was in way over. Wait, my head. just, just so our viewers know you're not six, five two ten. Not anymore. Oh, not anymore. Okay. <laughs> in my okay. yeah, no, never been six five. Uh, two ten. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we don't we don't need to talk about whether I've been two ten, but uh, definitely not six five. All right, all right. Well, I mean, I think people need to kind of understand like what uh, kind of a player you are. I don't think, I think we've kind of gone over the kind of player I was maybe as a high schooler, but like if you were to describe yourself, um, just based on your experience in these over 50 leagues, um, what, wh- what's your role on, on these teams? Most like, uh, if I was to make a, a proper comparison to other players that we may or may not know, and this is going to be a hard one for, you know, uh, Minnesota twins fans wouldn't recognize this, but I would consider myself, um, a Nick Punto Ooh. with a beer belly. Um, <laughs> so picture that. Oh, like able man. to play just about anywhere. You put me in anywhere. I'll give it my. I'll give it my best. But don't expect much because you know I got to lean over that gut in order to get that ground ball. So that's oh, kind of what we're talking about here. Uh, and uh, just uh, to update you guys, Vegas just scored again. So it's now four through two minutes left. I don't want to. You know, we're, we're just going to give you updates at this point because. It would be hilarious if, we, if we ended up losing we this game. We completely jugged them, man. We might have just did it. Wow. You speak things, and it, it brings it into the universe. You know, it's just you it's just, like, you just got to say it the sometimes. The gods are like, what? You know? Minnesota's what? There's something good happening yeah, in Minnesota it's like that. It's like that Buffalo. You know that Buffalo Wild Wings commercial where it's like March Madness, and it's like, I need this team to win. I need this team to win. And they, like, press the button, and, like, the guy, like, I don't know, turns on a fan and, like, blows the ball, like, away from the free throw. You know, like, free free throw line, and the guy misses it, and, like, everybody goes wild. It's like, yeah! That's you know, pretty it's much like, Minnesota I think sports, I think yeah. someone's got a button for Minnesota sports yeah. teams, you know. All right. Well, but, there's a minute. We've got a little under two minutes left, yeah. so there's a shot. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Let's, let's hope they hold on. But So, anyway, so, yeah, so, uh, so season starts. Anybody wants to come out and see baseball, uh, you know, over 50, mm-hmm. you can come out. Uh, actually, my first game is in Longmont, Colorado. There you go. On April 10th. So, you know, the mountains, Long's Peak in the distance, uh, you know, beautiful scenery, and some, you'll get to see some real top-notch over 50 baseball. You know, I'm... Um, I, April 10th. I know, you, I know you're, you're, you're having a little fun with this, but I do have to say the one time I went and saw the Coots play, um, I, I was blown away, to say the least. Uh, it was... I mean, honestly, you had an incredible game. I think you went two for three, two for four, had a web gem at first base, I remember. Like, I was like, what if I, like, because like, you've been telling me that whole summer that, you know, you guys hadn't been playing great and you had been struggling a little bit. And then I show up and it's like you guys are a completely different ball game or ball team and, like, you go on and beat the number one seed. I think that next weekend, probably. I think it was right before you guys went and did that. So I don't know if me showing up was like a, 
like some good juju for you guys or if you just were you know holding it in to kind of show off for me i don't know but well of all you know who's for real last year as far as i'm concerned (laughs) they were they were for real (laughs) well it's it's you know it was a special special moment for me to have have you there with me and it was you know i was inspired by your presence oh is that right It it meant the world to me that you were there and uh I guess you know it just brought the best of just, out in me. Are you, you know? just? Are you just? Are you, to see my son, you know, to have my family there, are you just watching this? me perform because just my wife this. refuses to come out under any circumstances <laughs> whatsoever. So, she, so that she, she's she's definitely not going to come and watch. Oh the play, man! So. Well, I mean, it was probably the best game I probably could have chosen to come to, and it was super fun to watch you guys play. And it's it's honestly over fifty baseball is it's just a good time. Everybody's there to just you know. Uh, just I, I will have tell some you, fun, honestly. It's, I will it's tell awesome. you, man. Like, and of course, we've talked about this, Ben. It's like I, you know, I played softball for years and years and years, and I loved it. I love softball, but uh, and I'm sure there's many out there who loved it and played it for years. And of course, you can play it forever. We could, you know, but there's something about baseball. There's something about digging in, uh, seeing somebody throw something at you, you know, a curveball, trying to like. You know, it, there's just nothing like it. So it's a blast. I'm glad I'm doing it, and I'm going to keep doing it as long as my body allows me to, which may mean about a month and a half from now I may be done. So we'll see. Well, we'll, we'll try to get you into some better shape before then. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get me out there. You're going to be yeah. a conditioning coach. You're going to get my arm. Like there. like the twins, uh, we hope to stay healthy. Um, and uh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, uh, okay. I think I think we can talk about the Twins a little yeah, bit let's now. let's talk about the Twins. We're about three weeks out from opening day. Let's go. That is crazy, oh, right? Oh, man. Oh, man. So, yeah, this feels like a super short spring training to me, and it's probably because it is. Uh, but um, we're only three weeks away. Twins are full on in grapefruit, grapefruit, like grapefruit, like grape, grapefruit league. There you go. I can't say it. It's, it's my new can't say word. In the grapefruit league, Edwin Encarnacion. <laughs> right. Can you say that ten times fast? Exactly, exactly. So twins are what, like five and four or something like that. Which you know, who cares? Uh, records mean nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely nothing. I think uh, overall, um, lots to be positive about. Um, um, you know, and of course, a lot to be yet to be found out. But I, uh, twins to me, I've been tracking it a bit, and I mean, high notes so far is the starting rotation has been pretty much lights out. Like anybody Solid. who's taken the ball and been a starter for the Twins over the last two years have gotten it done. I mean, the only guy who hasn't pitched yet is Jay Happ because of the COVID protocol thing, and he's just getting back in the swing and things. But every single other starter, including Randy Dobnik and Lewis Thorpe have been solid. Um, um, Berrios went today against the Rays, looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. Maeda went the day before, went Sunday, went looked fantastic. Lewis Thorpe the ne- day before that looked fantastic. And so so they are um, looking solid um, across the board right now in the starting rotation. Mm-hmm. Look, so I think we all expected that the Twins were going to, I mean, the, the, with Wes Johnson and Derek Falvey, that that's kind of their strength. Um, and it looks like, at least in spring training, that's going to play itself out nicely. Yeah, I think I uh, I watched the Orioles game the other day. Uh, I think it was Maeda that was on the mound for that one. I'm pretty sure he looked solid. Was it Maeda? I think it was. I forget who it was. It might have been. Didn't Thorpe start it? Get just do an inning? Oh, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Either way, I, forget, I, I But yeah, I, I I've seen. I saw Maeda pitch last. Um, and then yeah, Barrios this afternoon apparently was pumping some gas. Um, 
he had been average with his fastball around 93, 94-ish in years past. Uh, today, he was apparently hitting 95 consistently. Uh, we saw him hit 95-plus a couple times in the past, but it's definitely something he doesn't do very often. Uh, and I think this is just such a great thing to hear uh for him i think especially because he's in a very pivotal we're going to talk about this a little later but he's in a very pivotal point of his contract uh and so i think even if he weren't if he wasn't going to be a minnesota twin uh down the line he's still trying to build a resume for himself to potentially play for another club and I think adding this extra mile per hour on his fastball, or maybe even two, is going to open up his breaking ball, which I think is his 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 most effective pitch in his repertoire is his breaking ball, his curveball. Yeah, I mean, I think if uh, uh, if he's if he can get that fastball working for him, throw it for strikes, uh, he is going to be a tough guy to hit against. He's got yeah, I mean, if he can get that fastball at ninety five consistently throw it in the zone, and then he can the, the curveball can play off of that. And so uh, establish the strike zone, get in the strike zone, and then uh, let them try to figure out a way to hit that curveball when they're back, when they're down in the count. I think he's going to be, yeah, I mean, he's, he's obviously a, a, a very good pitcher. I think we've all expected maybe put maybe even a little bit too much pressure on the guy to be maybe that true ace. Um, and who knows? Uh, signs are positive here, long season, lot. A lot of uh, time yet, but at least the signs are positive. So when you think about that, so you think about uh, a, a better Barrios, a Maeda. Hopefully, you know, you know, if he's close to what he was last year, that's a that's a plus. Um, Pineda has been actually when he's pitched and it's been sporadic, he's been really great. Um, we have yet to see Hap yet. And then Shoemaker came out and he was solid yeah, he, he, in his first start. He, he went two and a third and he, I think it was, he went seven up, seven down. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> Just so that your number five guy coming out and doing that. So, and then you got Thorpe and Dobnik sitting there waiting in the wing. So to know that you got potentially six, um, seven options, uh, potentially, uh, is uh, definitely something to be getting get pretty enthusiastic about. Bullpen has been a little bit more hit and miss, um, although I think they're starting to turn it around a little bit. Rogers looked really solid yesterday. Yep. Colome is starting to look a little bit better. Yeah. Um, Alcala has been bringing the heat. I saw a statistic in terms of pitchers who have thrown 20 pitchers or more uh, this spring. Alcala has the uh, like sixth or seventh highest average um, velocity, uh, around 97.7 miles per hour. Um, uh, so right up there. So we know he's going to bring the gas. And so there's a lot to be um, enthusiastic about. So hopefully the bullpen can pull itself together. And, uh, and, and so that's, those are two really great positives as far as I'm concerned. Is like we still, I think we think the bullpen's going to come around and be solid and the starters are looking really good. Yeah, I, I'm, I watched Colum A throw his uh, scoreless uh, strikeout the side inning the other day, and it was – I, we, we talked about his first start this spring not going so well. He was potentially working on some stuff or whatever the case may be. He definitely uh, came back out, bounced back, and looked just like the player we thought he was in was uh, in Chicago. Uh, it's really, like you said, it's, it's really uh, reassuring to see something like that considering uh, – uh, where we might have holes in our bullpen. Uh, but seeing guys like Stashek and Thorpe uh, and Alcala uh, 
take on more prominent roles this year um, in place of the Trevor Hildenbergers, the Trevor Mays, the, you know, uh, Sergio Romos. Uh, I think if we're seeing things like 97 plus from Alcala and Colome doing what he does, like I, we can consider all of these offseason moves with our bullpen upgrades. And so you can't knock anything after that if we're upgrading our bullpen. So I think our pitching as a whole has been the bright spot of this spring so far. Um, and I think our offense is just going to come with it because I've only, I, I watched that Orioles game and I watched the Rays game a little bit too. And I saw a lot of hard hit outs, um, a lot of good ABs. And we're starting to see some production from players that we didn't expect to see a whole lot of production from, uh, including some non roster invites. Um, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of the starters, uh, Donaldson, who's played two games now, he sat out the first week or so, uh, two games, he's looking right, He's he looks ready. I mean, mm -hmm. he's hitting the ball hard. He had a bomb his first game, a couple warning track. I mean, his exit velocity has been off the chart yeah, early. Yeah, even his, his single the other day, it was like he hit it so hard it hit off the dude's glove on at second or first base or whatever. Yeah, like so he's, he's looking going. really good. Um, I'm, I'm, what I'm uh, actually uh, quite a bit of... Uh, pretty enthusiastic about Polanco. He's uh, taking a lot of walks, and so he's seeing the ball really well. Um, so that, to me, is a good sign. Like, if he's, he's seeing the ball, he's not, you know, so he's always been a patient hitter. So, I mean, that's, you know, whatever that's worth is to see him looking solid. Um, you know, Cruz, I think, is still just Cruz. Um, he's just, I think, a machine. Um, Sano is a little bit hit and miss. He's, you know, kind of, you know, we expect that from him, and he's kind of true to form here, having good at-bats, but then also bad at-bats. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, and so I think solid all around in terms of the starting starters, I think it's, there's nothing to be concerned about. Uh, then, yeah, and then so, like, this last, so it's, it was becoming clear, if there's any, there's one uncertain thing about opening day was who's going to be the starting left fielder. We've mm -hmm. talked a little bit about this, about, you know, is Lewis Arise going to be that guy because... You know, he's with Polanco moving to second and Simmons at short. I think we have a pretty good answer to that, that Arise is not going to be the starting left fielder. He's seen zero innings. Um, and in the meantime, we've got this uh, slew of outfield prospects yeah, whole and platoon. veterans yeah. and others who are competing. Some maybe not actually competing, but definitely raising eyebrows uh, and suggesting that We've got some depth in this in this season, in this uh, in this franchise when it comes to outfielders. Mm -hmm. uh, pretty impressive performances so far. So yeah, who have you been most impressed I mean, with so far? Uh, Keon Broxton. Uh, he's definitely stood out the most to me. He's five for nine this spring. Got two walks. Uh, hit a ball onto the highway oh, like a couple of days ago like got in, insane power and this is all coming from a guy who's uh been kind of relied on for his defensive capabilities rather than his offensive capabilities uh i think he only hit like a buck 65 in 100 games in 2019 uh, he's definitely not known for his offense but he's somehow figured out a way to sh show some efficiency at the plate and uh some power and uh just knowing that this guy is great defensively just makes me feel that much better about uh him being a part of the, the organization going forward he may not win that job necessarily but 
I mean, we're, we're always going to go back to this idea of injuries and being able to, you know, just call on whoever you might need to step in and fill that role. And I think Broxton could potentially, you know, either be that guy to come off the bench or to call up if we need some support from our AAA team. So yeah, that's, that's who I'm excited about right now. But, I mean. Yeah, I mean, he's a non-roster invite. He's not on the 40-man. So he's not making this team. There's just no way that's happening. But it's good to know that we've got that depth in the system. Um, I mean, we've also got uh, guys like Gilberto Celestino, who came over in the Ryan Presley trade, who is uh, definitely a plus above average outfielder and maybe not quite the ba- a great bat, but definitely somebody who's got major league potential, who's performed well. Uh, Kyle Garlick, uh, sort of a, mm. a, a, a late signing. Um, has definitely impressed. A couple of bombs. Yeah, right. Uh, right double. Yeah. So he's been looking really solid. So I think the real competition is, I think, um, I mean, if you can think about the, the Twins' defense, right, they have uh, Kepler and Buxton. Kepler, a left-hander, and then Buxton, a right-hander. And then, you know, the presumptive uh, sort of uh, starting left fielder at some point is considered to be Alice Kirilov. And so, you know, given that those are two left-handers, you got two, two of the three are left-handers, you, what you would think is that the Twins would be looking for a right-handed bat for that next outfield spot, which, of course, would not bode well for the likes of Jake Cave. Right. Um, but um, uh, so who knows? I mean, a Cave, I think it's hard to think about him not being on the roster. But if you think about it, if the Twins feel like they need a right-handed bat, you've got Rooker, you've now got this got Kyle Garlic as options. Um, and so, and then they, they've got other guys. It's Ref, Ref Snyder, who's looked really good. Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't think he's also, I don't think he's much uh, likely to make the club, but I'm beginning to wonder about um, Kyle Garlick being maybe the dark horse mm-hmm. for that, le- especially Rooker is, I mean, remember he's coming back after off of injury. Yep. Um, and so he's had a little bit, I mean, he's played some, um, but he's not, I mean, he's had one, he had a homer in his first at bat, I think. So it's 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 going to be interesting. It's not quite as cut and dry as I thought it was going to be. If it's to be Kirilov and Rooker, or Kirilov and Cave, or or Rooker and and Cave coming out of spring training. Now, now I'm not so sure. And the the other thing um, is because they've uh, delayed the start of um, of the AAA season. Um, so now the problem. So the, the the whole conventional wisdom was is that the Twins might send uh, Kirilov down to AAA. And then let him play down there for a month, and then say, and then that would preserve another year of service time for Kirilov. Right. Well, now the uh, what happens is that um, the the minor league seasons in AAA is delayed by a month, so he wouldn't be getting any live hitting. So he'd be down there at a, just a, like the practice squad kind of thing, like they did last summer. Yeah. Um, and so I think. Uh, Kirilov's gotten a lot of at-bats. He might have the most at-bats of anybody in spring training. So something tells me the plan is to, for Kirilov to come up with the club um, because of that. And uh, it's really is going to be down to who's going to get that backup outfield spot. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I, a guy like Jake Cave is definitely potentially, you know, on the outside looking in. He hasn't been in the lineups uh as of recently as much as say like a Kirilov um and so I definitely do see yeah Kirilov coming up and making an impact um potentially to start the year uh because it's as a hitter you would not want to take that month off of live hitting and then have to jump right back into it it's not like it doesn't matter how you know 
how hard you try. Like, it's not going to be the same as stepping into a batter's box against an opposing team, an opposing pitcher. It's not going to be the same. And so I, I'm very in favor of, you know, having him start with that team, even if we do lose that year of service time. That would be the yeah. the con, obviously, right. of that decision. Right. So, it, But it, if he is getting a lot of at-bats in the spring, then it would make sense that they're looking to bring him up and – yeah. Ha- have an impact right, in right. the near future. Yeah, I mean, the only other potential competitions that's out there is maybe a, a utility infielder spot um, behind a rise. Uh, so, like, you know, how the Twins last year had Gonzalez and they had uh, 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 um, Adrianza. And so is there somebody else that they're going to call upon to maybe be that backup infielder? And so there's Lynn, there's Riddle, um, uh, Nick Gordon's been getting a little bit of playing time, so... Who knows? Um, but uh, that's probably the other competition, potentially. And um, frankly, I think a lot of those guys that look pretty good. Lens looked really good. Um, so who knows um, what's going to happen there? So those, to me, is about the only spots where there's any real question mark. What about what about a La Tortuga utility guy addition? Is that do you think that's in the cards? He's actually had a great spring. Yeah. He's hitting like 400. Um, and yeah, I think it's hard. To, it's hard to, you know, you want to write him off. You want to just say that he just isn't a baseball, he doesn't have a baseball body. and But he just, he has a way of just never letting you forget about him. He just produces. And, and, you know, who's, and what's not to love about the guy? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, he's, he's definitely in the mix as well. He's not seen any outfield time. He's, you know, he's been catching in a little bit of third base, I think. Uh, so, yeah, he's definitely a possibility as well. So, definitely some question marks there. It would be fun to see La Tortuga. I, lo- I mean, I just yeah, I just love yeah. watching him hit. Honestly, I think he he's got such an interesting approach. You know, where he's just like, I think I can hit anything, and he virtually does hit anything. It's just yeah, it doesn't strike out. He doesn't he doesn't strike out, and so that I mean, yeah, like throw him in there, like a lineup with like him, Simmons, you know, Arise. Like if you could f- find a way to like have them all in the infield or something, like that would be kind of cool. Like <laughs> I don't know, just those three little pesky guys that would piss me off as a pitcher honestly to have the face of like three clones of virtually the same player it seems like so yeah yeah um, no that's true i mean i think the only yeah it's uh yeah there was not to like about um william zostadio i mean he's just a fun guy to watch and definitely adds character to the club i mean the only thing i think we're waiting on yet there's uh well there's two more things i think we're waiting on is to see jay hap make his first appearance so we're hopeful that he's going to be ready to go here fairly soon and then to see Andleton Simmons um, get his first action. And I think, hoping that we'll see that happen in the next couple of days. Um, so we're all, I think the excitement's rising there, that he's going to be that key um, uh, key link uh, to that infield. So we're so hopefully a week from now we'll be able to talk about mm-hmm. both of their first appearances. Um, and, other, and like I said, we're getting close. It's only a... Uh, uh, a few weeks away, uh, we're getting word now about allowing uh, fans into stadiums, and it's, yep. uh, I, I've I've heard that there's a potentially an announcement that the governor is going to uh, allow a certain percentage of, of fans into Target Field, although that hasn't been decided. So we'll, I think we're hopeful. Well, I mean, um, Arlington's opening 100 percent, so yeah, I, yeah, forty some thousand people on opening day. They're all required to have masks, though. So is that right? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. They are. They everybody's required to have a mask. Now, of course, whether or not they're gonna wear it and whether or not they're gonna enforce it, that's a different story. It's Texas, but 
that yeah i think that um, is what i heard is yeah I, I yeah we don't have to get into the politics of that too much i i think it's crazy and yeah i mean talk about an incubator for something so yeah. anyway yeah we'll see. no idea okay so so yeah so uh that's about it. I mean, the only other big news, well, it's not even really big news. It's just sort of rumblings when you've got not a lot going yeah. on. Uh, there's rumblings. And so there was this initial sort of flare that maybe Barrios and Buxton might be having, their agents might be having some conversations with the twins about extensions. Um, you know, they are sort of that last two out of that most recent um, um, sort of class of twins. Um, prospects to get uh, extent would be to get extensions you know we've already got Kepler Sano uh, Polanco all have had their extensions and so I think we all are wondering um, whether or not the twins are going to pull the trigger on on something I mean it, it, we're at a weird spot because these guys have two years of service left they're both in their 27 age 27 seasons um, so they're really entering that prime right and so um, to potentially sign an extension, um, you, you know, you're thinking about, you know, um, how long and for how much money. Um, I don't think any one of them are, are, you know, we're not talking about Fernando Tatis or Trevor Bauer money here, okay? That's just not what is in the cards. The Twins would never be doing that. So the question is whether or not there's actually a chance that these guys will sign. I'm, my sense is that they're both going to be they're open to extensions, but my sense is that their opening position is for some long-term deals, like probably, you know, uh, you know, not four-year deals, but probably six or more. Um, and I'm guessing the Twins are going to be reluctant to do anything like that. So we'll have to see what happens. But it sure would be nice to lock those guys down. On the other hand, you know, the Twins need to look at like what they've got in their pipeline, and we just talked about depth in the outfield, and we didn't even talk about Royce Lewis who would be another candidate for center field. And so as much as we love Byron Buxton, uh, you know, that's, it, you have to wonder, start wondering, right? Like this is sort of the critical year for him. And uh, he's got to really show the world that he is ready to be a healthy and consistent player. And I think we, we can say the same about Barrios. It's like, you know, is he, do they, does he have that next gear? And the question is, to what extent the Twins are willing to maybe make a bet here in the short run? that they're going to pay off, or are they going to sit and wait a little bit longer? In which case, every day that they wait is a day that is, is makes it less and less likely that the two guys are going to sign. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, when when you look at Barrios and Buxton, they're very similar in terms of, like, you know, they were brought up through the farm system, uh, had some fairly high expectations um, that I don't think we've seen them quite meet yet, but... Like you said, I do think that they're coming into, I think, some of their better years, potentially. And so I think this upcoming season, I said this uh, about Barrios, but it's also true for Buxton. It's so important for them going forward in their careers to establish themselves as consistent, effective players now for the Twins, regardless if they, you know, stay with the Twins, like the doesn't even matter you know we go we got these guys for two years so contract extensions like of course like they're all rumors at this point like it's nothing too big to go off of but like i think if we're gonna do anything we'd have to wait and see what this season looks like for both of them before any decisions are made and i feel like it could go either way like barrios might find his fastball and 
his curveball might be devastating this year and he might actually become our ace and we might you know want to add some years to his contract and Buxton might do the same thing where he ends up you know hitting like 285 with crazy on base percentage bunch of steals you know like just being the all-around guy that we expected him to be and I think if we're like we would be stupid not to sign a guy like that uh to an extension so it's it's definitely going to be interesting this season to see how these guys kind of approach uh you know their their careers uh, essentially um and how how it's going to play out right i mean i if i was to look at it in terms of sort of what to be looking for um uh i think buxton obviously because of his injury uh history um is on maybe a little bit softer ground because who knows like if he you know if if you can't count on him, I mean, if he's a 120-game-a-year guy, right? So that's, like, you know, so basically, you know, three-quarters of a, a year as opposed to a full year. You can't – he can't expect a contract for a full-year guy, right? Like, he hasn't been able to stay on the field. And so from, so from that point of view, you might be able to get him at a lower price. And um, – and then, of course, there's plenty of guys who are late bloomers who turn out to be pretty great players. We happen to have one on our roster by the name of Nelson Cruz. Yeah, I was going to say, I think our, our uh, cleanup hitter. Yeah. <laughs> so the only difference with Buxton, though, is his, his prime commodity is speed, and there's no question that you every year you lose a, you know, a little bit. Now, he's apparently in camp and is looking as strong as ever, but there's, you know, we all know about center fielders that quickly become right fielders um, over time. Um, that you know, staying in center field is a hard thing to do. You have to have the wheels, and so we remember Tory Hunter moving over to right field for you know after he left the Twins, he was pretty yep. much exclusively a right fielder. Um, you know, Ichiro eventually moved to right field. Right? Was he ever a center field? He was a center. No, field. yeah, you know, Ichiro. Center Ichiro, fielder. Ichiro's, uh, right. Well, I, 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 I guess not. I don't exclus- Not exclusively, but he yeah, played outfield. So like. So, but like you, you, but the guys that play center field, you don't stay there forever. It's probably like half your career you play center field and then you're moving. And so the fact that his wheels, he's going to lose his speed a little bit, although he's still all world speed. So maybe that's not. Maybe for him, he's got more. A longer uh, extension there, so I expect that the Twins could sign him, um, and I think they could get him at a more affordable price. I think Barrios um, uh, certainly he's not been a top-notch starter; like he's not an ace, and he's not in a Degrom, or he's not in a no. Brower. He's no. not there, um, but he's probably close to that second tier. And, and and the thing that he's got going for him is durability, right? So right. he's the opposite of Buxton in that regard: is that he takes the ball pretty much every fifth day and you know more or less he'll give you five or six pretty much every time right and so if you can do that right you will get a payday uh in the major leagues i mean you're looking at a contract that's in the neighborhood of 15 million to maybe even upwards of 20 million a year if you can do those two things give a team six innings each time out and uh take the ball every fifth day uh that is i mean so you're not trevor bauer but you're absolutely a high-value commodity. And so uh, something tells me that the, the Twins are going to have to pay for him. He's going to be looking for a longer-term deal, and that's going to be a tougher sell. Uh, so who knows? I'd love to see him, but on the other hand, I mean, I, I, and he has, he's also been less uh, willing to negotiate. I think they've approached him a couple times before on extensions, and he's kind of waved him off. And so, so he's the one that I feel less confident that they'll get a deal done. Mm. Yeah, I, 
I think if we can kind of compare Berea's situation to maybe Odorizzi, Jake Odorizzi's situation a couple years ago, you know, we signed him to this, you know, small deal, and he went out there and did exactly what Barrios does and took the ball every fifth, fourth, fifth day and was consistent and solid. And uh, despite having a tough 2020 season, he still got his contract uh, and signed with the Astros and is going to have a chance to definitely go win there as well. So it's like, yeah, it's it's very easy to find a team uh, if you're a pitcher that can stay healthy, A, and B, yeah, just be consistent and keep your team in the ball game essentially yeah. so so, I, so we'll, we'll have to see what happens i'd love to see both the guys um in twins uniforms for a long time i mean buxton went so far as to say he wants to finish his career as a twin which honestly what i hear in that is that here's a guy looking for a long-term deal like give me a seven-year something right and i just don't see yeah. twins doing that i just don't see them especially with his injury history i just don't see it but I, I think that's what he would love. He sees, I mean, what, I, he sees what Tatis got. Yeah. He's like, well, how cool would it be to not have to worry about ever having to sign another contract again? Give me a seven-year deal. That would take me through my 36-year-old season. I could probably sign one more contract after that. Uh, you know, but uh, yeah. I, I think that's a pipe dream. Uh, but anyway, well, <laughs> I, I, that's what I heard when he said he wanted to finish his career as a twin. Is he, wants, he wants one big, long contract. Well, I, I, I hope he does. Uh because we, we've talked about it in the past, uh, like this lineage of center fielders for the Twins, you know, I think he, he would add to that and like being able to lock him down and, you know, ho- like hopefully he's able to, you know, get out of this injury funk a little bit and like have some some solid years. Uh, but I I just I, I really want I really want him to stay a twin because I just have this this. Aaron Hicks feeling that he's going to go somewhere and just blow the frick up and we're going to have to eventually face him or something. And it's going to be another one of those moments where you're like, I can't believe we let that guy go. You know, like I just have a like a David Ortiz feeling, man, you know, like I don't know like about it. Like if we were to let this guy go, like I think it would bite us in the ass pretty hard if if you were to ask me. But yeah, I know I have the same feeling. I, I definitely do. He's he's one of those rare talents. He's so fun to watch, and to see him do it against you would just be painful. And so, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hope I'm hoping. Well, let's put it this way. Let's put it to bed. Let's have a, have these guys both have career seasons, um, or come out of the gate strong, and then the twins make that 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 strong play. But um, you just got to speak it into existence. I think yeah, is what exactly. we're learning. We need to you we know? need to meditate on this. Yeah. And, uh, Send it out into the universe and hope that it happens. Rios will have a good year. Buxton <laughs> will have a good year. And then. Exactly. Um, or we could just win it all this year and then we won't really care that much because we'll have won a world championship. And, so, and, like, when you win a world championship, like, how many years does it take to where you're like, all right, I want to, like, like, you know, like you said, you don't care after you win one? Like, is it like, all right, you get a year off or is it like. So, what I said is I would never complain about a Minnesota sports team not winning ever again uh, after the Twins won the World Series in 87 and then they won it in 91 and then I definitely <laughs> said like I haven't, I, I've seen all I, I, I've, I've seen what I needed to see in my lifetime so I honestly you know like yeah part, that's partly why I don't care about the Vikings that much it's like I don't really care like I've seen I've been in a, I've been in the stadium uh, for two game sevens and two world championship titles it's not going to get any better for, than that for me the Vikings yeah. winning the Super Bowl is not going to ever touch right. uh, watching Dan Gladden run across the plate 
uh, watching Jack Morris throw 10 shutout innings. Wait, I have in a question. Person. I, have a question. I have a question. Did you get to watch uh, Kirby's, uh, well, just Kirby's game six? Because um, you had tickets to that game, I, 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 I imagine. I did have tickets. But you weren't there? Why weren't you there? I was. You weren't at a Twins elimination game in the World Series, and you had tickets. What could you possibly be doing, <laughs> other than that? Let's just say that I was. Um, I had other motivations. I it's. I was at a wedding, um, I and see. I will say to this day it was maybe one of the worst <laughs> of my life. For any oh, number of man. reasons, which will not. Oh, I could, I could feel that in yeah, your voice. Yeah, you, I, yeah. I, I, I feel like you took me no, back. I'm telling you, I saw. So this, so, so I'm at this wedding. The wedding's breaking up. Okay, the wedding's over, and they had a band. It was actually a really nice wedding. So you know, really, really nice wedding. Uh, they had a full orchestra, like a big band. So it was cool. Oh, wow. Okay. It was very cool. Yeah. Uh, but um, so these guys are all like working the night of Game Six. So I feel for those guys. But the game's over, and they had a black and white TV uh, in behind the bandstand. And so I saw Kirby hit the home run on a... A black and white seven-inch black and white... Behind the bandstand <laughs> television. That's how I saw oh, Kirby. Oh, man. Kirby, see you tomorrow night. I didn't know that. <laughs> I just, oh, my God. That might just... And I have this distinct feeling of getting in my car and driving home and listening to, of course, the post game with John Gordon. And, like, everybody's going bananas, yeah. right? And they're like... People are like, oh, my God. And I'm like... And I'm like, I can't believe I wasn't... <laughs> like, I can't believe... It's like, what's that movie, Fever Pitch, right, with Jimmy Fallon, where, like, he gives up on the Red Sox, uh, and then they oh, come God. back, and they, they, they beat the Yankees in 2004. It's pretty close to that. Yeah. Pretty close to what he did there. Like, he was, yeah. So watch Fever Pitch, and then you can get a sense of what or, my life. Or, or don't watch Fever <laughs> Pitch. Like, you don't have, like... <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, it's definitely something we can overlook slightly. But yeah, no, I, I, I always think that's a funny story. I, of course, I'm wearing my my Kirby jersey right now. Kirby so, right now. Um, so yeah, we're gonna talk a little bit more about Kirby because we want to do uh, another a new segment. So, um, so we've talked about this where um, we're not talking twins. We're not super analytics guys, and this is a father son podcast. And so, this is something we would hope that maybe if you're a father you would listen to with your son. Um, and I'm an old-timer, and I have one way of looking at the game. Ben has another way of looking at the game. But there's certain things that are going on in the game now that that weren't a part of the game when I was a kid. And, and of course, the most significant in many respects is the, is the analytics revolution, right? Um, and so, like I said, this podcast is not going to go deep into analytics. We're not going to sit here and, like, Right. I'm not Jonah Hill in Moneyball. Exactly. I, yeah, I didn't go to Yale or anything and <laughs> study economics. And exactly. But, I mean, for the sake of maybe some old, older fans who maybe haven't paid as close attention to these statistics or for some younger kids that are trying to learn what all these statistics, we thought we would sort of do like a baseball analytics 101 segment yeah. here and again just because I think it would be fun for people to get a better handle on sort of how these analytics help you see the game in a bit, a bit of a different I mean, way. This is where the game's going, yeah. right? Like, I mean, as a whole, like, y- you got teams all over the league using all these super in-depth analytics and stuff. So right. this is definitely something that is going to be a, 
fairly permanent part of baseball, I think, going forward. Oh, yeah. I don't well, and I think, and here's why. I think if you're sort of, I'm not sure if I'm into the analytics thing, here's the reason to get somewhat interested in it. And we can obviously talk about sort of whether or not, you know, how deep you want to go. But the bottom line is that the statistics that I used to pay attention to or still pay attention to, uh, and that most fans, you know, when I was a kid paid attention to, actually don't do a good job of describing what um, excellence on the baseball field looks like. Wait, so that means home runs are bad? Uh, no, I'm not going <laughs> to say that. That's actually an exception. But uh, that is, but that, I mean, yeah, so we grew up, uh, I grew up, uh, and I'm sure folks that are my age remember doing the same, opening up the newspaper every day, because that was the only way you were going to get the statistics, yep. and you would look and you'd see, it would be every day, but most days of the week, you could see who are the league leaders in batting average. Who are the league leaders in RBIs? Who are the league leaders in home runs? Those are pretty much the three statistics for yeah. offense. And then in, uh, uh, and then for uh, pitching, of course, we would look at wins and losses, and we would look at ERA. And the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of these statistics are only partial representations of what it means to be a high-quality baseball player. So uh, take batting average, for instance, right? So, you know, Rod Crew was my hero growing up, right? He won many batting titles, many um, – Many uh, one had the highest batting average many many years right but what the batting average all it tells you is for the times that he uh, basically um, had an at bat which is he either um, got out got a hit or uh, yeah got yeah got out or got a hit for the most part you know take away things like sacrifices you know what percentage of the time did he get a hit right so it doesn't account for things like um, uh, walks, for instance, right? So, like, even though a walk, as we, what did we talk about as a kid in Little League? A walk is as good as a hit. hit a hit, it, it would not reflect, be reflected. Walk uh, or knock, baby. Yeah. Walk or knock. <laughs> That's right. It would not reflect, actually, your offense. And, of course, if we've all been mentioned, uh, Jonah Hill and Moneyball, that was sort of like one of the, the key lessons learned from Moneyball is that on-base percentage is far more important than batting average. It's the goal should be to buy runs. Exactly. And how do you buy runs? You get on base. <laughs> Excellent. That's, that's, that's almost an Academy Award uh, nominating Yeah, I'll there. be here all week. Don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> so, so we talk about batting average, and it's honestly not a very good representation. Uh, and the other thing about batting average is it obviously doesn't reflect the different types of outcomes. As Ben said, runs matter more. So, you know, does a single, a batting average, with batting average, a single is just as a valuable in batting average as a double, triple, or a home run. But, of course, we all know that we would all rather have a home run than we would have a single. So batting average really on many levels is not a very good statistic. Yeah. Right? So, you know, yeah, lesson number one uh, from Moneyball is on-base percentage is a much better representation of, um, of actually what a player is doing because it captures walks. Um, and so we get a better sense of how often the player is on base. But even that's not great because it doesn't capture power, mm -hmm. right? And so right. Uh, power is typically measured by what we call slugging percentage, right? Which is maybe a, sort of a secondary statistic that you might have paid attention to when I was a kid, but it was never a big thing. And, of course, that's at-bats, uh, total bases divided by at-bats. So it's basically giving a, you know, a value of one for a single and a value of four for uh, – for a home run, and so it gives you a sense of how powerful 
right. uh, uh, a, a player is. And so sort of, sort of the next step up for that then in terms of the statistics revolution has been this thing called the slash line, which is basically a way to sort of look at sort of three, those three statistics, average, on-base percentage, and slugging percentage as a way uh, to get a better picture. It's still imperfect, but better picture of how effective an offensive player is. So if you hear anybody say slash line, what you're looking at are three percentages, batting average first, on-base percentage second, and slugging percentage third. It gives you a pretty good sense of the kind of hitter that that guy is, right? So, um, and then, so that's sort of, sort of the most basic sort of representation from an offensive standpoint, what we want to be looking at. So, so the next evolution of that is something we call OPS. And OPS is an, a yet another imperfect measure, but it's essentially just adding on-base percentage and slugging percentage. Just throw, it's mashing just those two them numbers together. together. Yeah. Now, it assumes on some level that on-base percentage is just as valuable as slugging percentage, and we could argue that, right? Um, but it, nevertheless, it's like an easy way to sort of start to look at and compare players. And so you could have two players that have one that has a very high on-base percentage and maybe a low, lower slugging percentage and one with a higher slugging percentage and a lower on-base percentage, and they might then sort of balance out in terms of their value. And you can argue whether that's a good thing or, or not, but it's just sort of another way to capture it. So anyway. So I guess if you want to kind of like put it into more simple terms, like if you were to, like let's just throw out like a generic – player out there yeah, I got, actually yeah I got, I got, you got some, some stats I got some stats here. okay so let's, okay let's do a little bit of a comparison so let's look at um lewis arise okay. and Mil miguel sano okay i feel like this is going to be like the north and south pole like complete opposites um well let's so yeah let's, so let's talk about so like we could talk about sort of the, the, those slash line statistics first right so uh the first slash line statistic is batting average right so Arise, 2019, uh, first year playing major in the major leagues at 321, right? Yep. Um, Miguel Sano, actually, I mean, you know, for those of us who are fans, hit a, a respectable 247. Like, that's, I mean, for a guy... That's Chris Davis range, actually. <laughs> Literally. That's Chris Davis range, yeah, yeah. Chris Davis is known for his 247 batting yeah. average over and over and over again. So, 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 no, so, so let's just say, let's, let's say, if we, let's say I'm, I'm coming from Mars and I look at that as something to describe for me. Here's two guys. One guy gets on base 32% of the time, or, you know, gets a hit 32% of the time when he hits, and versus another guy gets, you know, on 25% of the time. We would probably go, well, this, the guy who gets on 32% of the time. Right. It's way better. Right? Yeah. Right. Well, then you throw in, like, okay, but, yeah, but what about the other things, like getting on base and all of that? And so we look at Arise. Uh, his on base is 364 in 2019. And Sano, again, respectable, 346. Okay. Okay. But still, you would say, well, yeah. But, you know, Arise gets on base, yeah. including walks, 36% of the time. And Sano only gets on 35%. So it's pretty much a wash. You know? mm -hmm. it's, a little bit, just a, close to a wash. Yeah. Um, and then we look at slugging percentage, right? Um, and we see Arise at 439, and we see Sano at 576. So clearly Sano is, as we all know, a much more powerful hitter. So, yep. so when you add those last two numbers together, you end up with something like Sano with an OPS, so uh, 346 on base, 576 um, 
slugging. He's got a 923 OPS, right? Um, and uh, so that's, you know, I want the book. Oh, okay. I want yeah, the yeah, book. Yeah. So I got. I want to look at this book. Um, so that's nine twenty three. Arise gets uh, is eight thirty eight. Okay. So so yeah. So I think at the end of the day, like even though we looked at all these statistics, um, Sano probably you know we would consider a better hitter on on paper when it comes to value of power plus on base percentage, but not by a lot. Not by a lot. No. I, well, I, I think those numbers, honestly, they surprised me a little bit on Sano's side. Um, looking at the 2019 season, I didn't think his on-base percentage was as high as it was. Um, because, you know, like, that's the thing is, like, when you watch these guys hit as a Twins fan, like, you obviously are seeing, you know, two completely different approaches. Uh, and so, again, very hard to compare players like that because – you know, a lineup's going to need both types of guys, I would say, uh, or at least an effective one. So, yeah, I, I mean, Sano, I think, yeah, on paper, you could say he's a better hitter just purely because of the power difference. But at the same time, yeah, like. So the, the bottom line is they're both excellent, right? Yeah. So if you were to do a rule of thumb um, on OPS and say, okay, so who's a good player and who's a not-so-good player mm -hmm. um, based on their OPS? And so I think, generally speaking, the excellent, like, top – of the top are going to be like at a 1,000, 1.00 OPS or a thousand OPS and above. And so that's actually fairly rare, even though like Nelson Cruz did it a couple years ago. Right. So like that's top of the top of the heap. 900 would be great. And so Sano's 2019 season, 923 is solid, a mm -hmm. solid OPS. Anything above 800 is above average. So it rises 823. Is, uh, is, or 838, excuse me, is a solid above average. And so that's how we are able to say, yes, mm -hmm. Luis Arise and Miguel Sano uh, in 2019 were outstanding hitters. Anything about 700 is about average, right? 700 to 800 is average. Right. So when you see a guy who's got an OPS in the 700s, we're like, yeah, he's like middle of the road. Mm -hmm. He's probably major league material, but he's not going to go to any all-star games, right? And so, so as we look at those, so as you look at those, that statistic this year, you know, and we'll track that a little bit, and you can see who's actually crushing it mm -hmm. um, and who's not. And so, um, it'll be interesting. So, you know, so so Arise, I think I think we both agree, Arise and Sano are sort of top level hitters. Sano, not so much last year, so we're going to have to see how he does. Um, but I think that's just a fun way of looking at it. We'll go. We'll talk more about other statistics, but uh, you know, using OPS is really maybe maybe the sort of that basic 101 level sort of newfangled statistic to get a better handle on who are the top hitters in the league is kind of a fun thing to look at. Yeah, and I mean, it's really not that complex. Like, I think even for uh, a fan who isn't familiar with analytics uh, by any means, I think there are tons more out there that if you are really interested in learning about, like, you can get really, really into this analytics yeah. stuff. Like, it is deep deep stuff that they're covering um so yeah when you think about the more sophisticated statistics they start to pull in other factors right that um become harder and harder for the everyday fan to be able to calculate and mm -hmm. you have to rely on some of these websites out right. there baseball reference and fan graphs and even espn and mlb will have some of these statistics because they start to build so o ops is right sort of a basic Anybody can figure that out. You and your son or you and your, your dad can, you know, can yeah. easily understand and figure out what OPS is. But when you get into other things like... Um, like uh, war. 
war, right? Yeah. It becomes a far more sophisticated calculation of many, 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 many different variables. Or even, you know, things, so, so things like other statistics are going to build in things like uh, they're going to account for um, the stadiums in which the players mm, play in. Right? Yeah. So, so a stadium that's considered a hitter's ballpark um, so they'll maybe compensate that for that for certain players that are playing in hitters' ballparks. So mm-hmm. like the classic example of that is Todd Helton, who played in Coors Field his whole career, and his OPS in uh, Coors Field was you know top notch, and his yeah. OPS uh, in national other parks was you know, it was good, but yeah. it wasn't yeah. Coors there Field. There was a difference. So there's those kind of calculations. There's all kinds of adjustments. There's weighting to properly weight certain kinds of outcomes. Um, so we can get into more of those, but you know, and so it's all about what you care about and what you're interested in. But, um, I, I, but it is, I think it is an interesting way to begin. Is, so if you're if if you're con- concerned about it, is like this is too complicated, I get it. On the other hand, it's like you want to get a better handle on truly what the value of the players are on the field. Um, these statistics can be kind of fun, um, and I think what's interesting is that you can kind of go in as deep as you want. Mm-hmm. OPS is probably you know is up to your ankles, and we you know get into things like OPS plus and um, and others you know it gets a little deeper. Right. And when you get into things like DRS and UZR and defense. You're pretty yeah, deep like, in, like in war. Like right? what? Yeah. In war and you're up to your up. To <laughs> they your, just start throwing algebra terms at you, and you're just you kind of have to figure it out on your own. But yeah, I mean. When we talked about the Pakoda uh, projections a while back, I have to believe that some of these statistics are playing a role into what those yeah, projections look like. Yeah, so what basically is, I mean, Pakoda, which is, uh, I think it's uh, Baseball Prospectus, I think, is the ones that put out the Pakoda. I might be wrong about that. Um, it's basically taking all these analytics, right, and for each individual player and then adding them all up and actually calculating them out. Um into uh, a, a, a wins and losses because that's bottom line. What it, it's, this is about translating this all of this in is into runs, and then with runs that translates into wins and losses. And so, uh, basically, combining offensive and defensive statistics, you can get a better handle on that. And so, basically, what they end up doing is they take they take um, all of these projected statistics. They, you know, every every sort of every player is like a like a snowflake, <laughs> in the sense that they look a little bit different and they measure out a certain way, and you put them all together, and then you run simulations, right? So you might run 30,000 seasons right. for the Minnesota Twins, and then you run a, a curve, and you look at the, the uh, uh, in terms of the number of wins. And so of those 30,000, a certain percentage of them may come up with the Twins winning 75 games, but a higher percentage of them having win 95 games. Mm-hmm. And so you say, well, the Twins are projected that their most likely outcome is to win 95 games, even though it could be as low as 75 or it could be as high as 105, right. depending on the scenarios that they run. So, so when, they hear, like, when you hear those sort of um, projections, that's what you're looking at. And it's actually, you know, when you think about margin of errors, right, like they're actually pretty accurate in a lot of cases. But, but we can, we'll talk more about those maybe another time. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, I mean, the Pakoda projections did have the Twins winning the Central, uh, if we go back to uh, when we touched on that. Um, so, essentially, uh, the Twins are going to win the Central this year, is what uh, we're hearing. <laughs> it's a foregone it's conclusion. We don't even these, have to talk about these it. These projections are so accurate that we may not even have to play out the full season in order to realize that they're they there. just negotiated out. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Like, I'll, uh, 
I'll send you this guy if you let me be the three seed or something like that. You know, like yeah. something like that. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. anyways, I think is that all we got today? I think that's I think all that's we got pretty today. Much yeah, it. We yeah. covered a lot of mundane stuff. A lot of a lot of baseball, but baseball. um yeah, I we got uh yeah, you said three weeks until opening day. So yeah, we're so. just we're just gonna keep grinding away and keep the countdown going. So all right. well, thanks, uh, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us this week guys. Uh it's been Ben and Bruce. Uh